G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, yesterday the Prime Minister finally released the response to the Religious Freedom Review and uh, it's long and it's detailed and I guess there's not going to be a lot of people got their head around all of those details as yet. The expert panel that produced that report... Uh, has uh, made it a foundation for the basis for a better understanding and protection of freedom of religion in our communities. Well, not all commentators are especially happy about it. In fact, uh, some commentators are disappointed with what may be a failure to plan to implement a positive right to freedom of belief in Australian law. Well, let's talk about these things, perhaps not from a legal perspective, because this is a very detailed legal document that's been released, and it'll be lawyers who do lots of debating about it over the months ahead. But Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch joining us for our regular update on a Friday. Bill Muhlenberg, a special welcome back to 2020. Great to be back. Well, Bill, in one sense, the government releasing its response and finally the actual review that come from the expert panel, I suppose this is a moment to actually breathe a sigh of relief and say it's been a long time waiting. Well, it has, although, of course, some of the thunder has been stolen already. We know uh, a few months ago some of the details came out, the 20 recommendations were leaked, So we already did have a pretty good idea of what direction all this was going to go in. So now we have the full report. We get the background information. We get the government's response, which is mostly to run with most of those 20 recommendations and looking at uh, what they hope to do and setting up various time frames to do it. So we learn more. Uh, Of course, we have much more to go, as you say, uh, how this all unfolds, we'll have to wait till next year. Scott Morrison has said he will make religious freedom part of his election campaign for next May's election, assuming he still is there at the time he's hanging on for his life right now. And then we have to see what Labor would say in response. So uh, a lot of things still kind of remain up in the air, but at least we get a bit more uh, information in general as to what's going on here. Bill, what are your feelings about this whole issue becoming an election issue? Because while we might hope uh, that it could be a bipartisan response to issues of freedom where everybody says, of course, we want and need religious freedom in our nation. But do you think that there is potential here if it becomes an election issue that it may drive a wedge and there might be a fight for freedom on one side and a fight to diminish this religious freedom on the other? Well, there's no question that wedge is already there. In fact, there's probably a number of wedges. Uh, Those who want greater religious freedom, those who see religion as a threat, 
you know, that whole battle continues, but even within the religious community, bear in mind that not too long ago when we talked about things like religion and religious freedom, we had one thing only in mind, and that was Christianity. Uh, the West came out of the Judeo-Christian worldview, was built on it, and largely uh, the two were very uh, similar in so many ways for so many centuries. But all that is now changed with multiculturalism and pluralism. Islam has made huge inroads into the West, so it gets it gets a bit more uh, complicated at the moment. Uh, what could be a very good thing, for example, with one religion might not be so good with another. If we talk about the freedom of a Christian to proclaim the gospel on a street corner in downtown Melbourne or Brisbane, uh, that's one thing, but if the same religious freedom entails giving, say, uh, an adherent of Islam the right to preach Sharia law and uh, overthrowing the West because only Allah deserves that kind of uh, loyalty, well, uh, that's religious freedom, you could say, in one sense, but it's also uh, gets all rather complicated, and in many ways it starts setting one set of rights against other sets of rights. So it's uh, you're going to need the wisdom of Solomon here to make it all uh, work out, that's for sure. And I suspect, as we're talking to Christian people, when you say, Bill, the wisdom of Solomon is required here to make sense of this, that if there is to be a good outcome and maintaining a level of religious freedom, which is a level which doesn't silence the church, uh, we need to be prayerful about how that wisdom is implemented and uh, that that will come forward and and that there'll be some good things. Uh, there is a spiritual dimension here. I wonder whether you've got thoughts on just how significant it will be for Christian believers to be prayerful about this issue. Well, absolutely. We have to uh, uphold Scott Morrison and the government and all the players of course labor as we say has to put their two cents in and uh, all the rest so well often the danger as you know with this kind of stuff is to go with the lowest common denominator make a very generic and weak uh, motherhood statement about religious freedom which really doesn't do much good for anyone uh, the devil is in the detail as we say uh, so again what's going to happen will they look to set up a you know a freedom of religion commissioner or a special standalone human rights office on religion um well and then it's the whole question of when you get governments involved and government bureaucracies well again you get a, a dozen questions you'd ask right away okay who's going to head this up uh would he be a christian what if he were a muslim uh what if he were an atheist um how will this person or this committee or this group decide what constitutes religious freedom? Uh, if they deal with things like religious freedom in Christian schools, uh, who's going to determine which areas are exempt from so-called anti-discrimination laws? I mean, there's just millions of questions that we're already debating now, and even if a body is set up to deal with them, um, well, who gets appointed, who asks the questions, who makes the answers. Uh, as we say, we got to pray big time, because this could go really uh, pear-shaped really fast. It could even uh, get worse. Uh, you know, in some, some senses, we could say better to leave things as they are now than 
what potentially might become even worse for most Christians. This is the risk. This is why this is such a big issue, and we've been talking about this issue through the entire year. Now, this Ruddock Review into Religious Freedom, it's been put together by the expert panel. It is a long-ish document, but in my preliminary look at it, it certainly looks clear. And, uh, you know, so far as the assessment of whether it's comprehensive, uh, a lot more legal uh, focus is going to need to come on that. But it is a clearly set out document and really starts with those 20 recommendations. And then uh, the rest of the document appears to be really how those recommendations are founded. Uh, the interesting thing in, in this is because uh, the focus has been on schools, Bill, and schools are going to be the testing ground uh, for whether this works. And and I've mentioned to another commentator or two the value of talking about schools because somehow or other in church life we feel like schools are a little bit detached from church. But, of course, schools are a... Uh, schools are really an overflow of what the church teaches. So if you restrict schools, you're restricting the church. What are your thoughts on just how Christian schools and church really is one? It's not separate. Well, absolutely. In fact, many churches have their own Christian schools on the very same property. Uh, and there's plenty of parachurch groups which would fall into this, all kinds of Christian and theological education, which are, as you say, extensions of the church, so you can't uh, mess around with theological education without at the same time messing around with the church itself. So as we say, there's a lot of discussion on religious education. A lot of it has centered on, you know, students, if they happen to be homosexual, which in many ways is a solution looking for a problem. We just haven't had hardly any cases that we can come up with of students being discriminated against on that basis. But it gets much, uh, well, potentially worse, because obviously staff, teachers, principals, those who work in various religious institutions, not just Christian schools, it could be any number of things. It could be, uh, uh, you know, groups like the Salvation Army, and as they uh, feed people or do things, it could be a whole range of issues in which Christian beliefs come into play and some teaching and training is involved. And again, if uh, uh, the current set of uh, discrimination laws are still going to stand, which uh, increasingly encroach upon Christian freedoms, uh, you know, it's not going to get any better. It may, in fact, get worse if we talk about, you know, no Christian educational body has the right to discriminate based on its who it employs, who teaches at such places. So that really becomes the big threat where you can no longer push your own beliefs, your own values, your own Christian worldview. And we already have various human rights bodies set up, often pushing against the Christian freedoms that we enjoy. So if we set up yet another Christian body, this time in theory to defend the Christian freedoms, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all that pans out. 
The Prime Minister has what appears to be uh, elevated religious freedom to the same level as... uh, uh, with the uh, same level, you know, insofar as discrimination terms, to racial discrimination or sexual discrimination. And uh, racial discrimination, sexual discrimination, these are two areas that uh, the wider community seems to appreciate. And uh, there has been some sense in which uh, religious uh, discrimination has been at a lower type of a level in by way of people's perception but the prime minister appears to have raised that to the same level as these others and said uh, we can't uh, discriminate uh, religiously because uh, we don't re- discriminate because of race or because of sex what are your thoughts on just how level the playing field may be in understanding how important religious freedom is uh, on that basis well, there's no question it is important. Uh, sadly, Australia is getting to be more and more of a secular country. So sadly, many Australians may not even see the need for something like religious freedom. Then again, as we say, it, it depends how you define things. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court some years ago defined secular humanism as a religion. Uh, so, you know, it depends how wide the net is cast, how we even understand what religion is, uh, and then uh, the question of how that pans out in terms of specific legislation, uh, that none of that's been drafted yet to flow from uh, the government response to the report. So that's really what we have to wait and see. That will be where the detail comes in uh, very important, and we will need our best legal minds as well to finally, once that uh, draft legislation comes forth, to see, all right, what's being proposed? How is that going to work? Is it going to be beneficial? Is it going to harm some and help others? Uh, Like I say, it's a a hugely complex area. I'm not sure I'd want to be one of those drafting such legislation. I would certainly have my points of view, but there'd be plenty of other groups quite opposed to say what you and I believe, who also have their own points of view of what they'd like to see in such legislation. So it's hugely important, but uh, how it all gets uh, teased out in the end, we need to keep this in prayer. Well, the government plans to implement the recommendations of the Religious Freedom Review. As I understand it, uh, there are a significant number, uh, 14 or so, uh, thanks to some advice from our friends at Freedom for Faith, uh, who suggest that uh, 14 of the recommendations uh, would be implemented as soon as practicable and uh, likely with some bipartisan support. Uh, there's another difficulty with uh, recommendation 15 and then there's another number of recommendations, five or so of those that would uh, go to the Australian Law Reform Commission. So uh, there's there's the simple ones and there's the complicated ones, Bill. And I suspect that uh, there's going to be lots of debate coming over the months ahead. Uh, I liked your thoughts Uh, that our prayers ought to be for the wisdom of Solomon. And I think a lot of people will recognize uh, that when you're trying to work your way through what's a seemingly impossible situation, the wisdom of Solomon, when we use that uh, illustration, it certainly shows us that the wisdom of God can come through and there can be some way of working through the impossible issues and relying on his wisdom. Bill Muhlenberg, always appreciate your thoughts. 
And it's been a great year. I've loved our conversations each Friday. The intention is to continue having these Friday catch-ups, a Culture Watch catch-up each Friday. Uh, Certainly wishing you and your family the happiest and holiest of Christmases. And I want to thank you so much for being part of 2020 through 2018. Many thanks, and same to you and your listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.